This is your host, Sam Jarocki from J-Rock Lawn Care and Gardening. Speaking about all things lawn care, garden related and business wise, whether you do this at home for a bit of fun or if you're trying to break into the business, sit tight and enjoy the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another J-Rock's Lawn Care Gardening podcast. Today, we have episode 71 titled Resilience. My name is John Ryan. Uh, I am co-hosted today by Jack Page Churchman, and this is a Lawn Care Legends podcast takeover, while Sam is currently out of action with uh, getting some wisdom teeth removed. So he's kindly asked us to come along here this morning and to try and help uh, fill the gap for him. So hopefully we do him justice. Uh, and I want to welcome Jack onto the podcast here. He's going to be doing it with me. Um, what you'll probably find is that this is a first for both of us. So you're going to have to bear with us as we kind of figure out how to do this coherently and uh, try to deliver a very uh, interesting uh, podcast today on the basis on the topic of resilience. So welcome to the podcast, Jack. Thanks very much for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. And uh, again, thank you to um, allowing us to do this, I guess. So yeah, I, I want to see loads of comments on advice on how I can be better on podcasts. <laughs> that that's it it's uh it's definitely going to be a learning curve for both of us i've been on the on the interviewee uh side of the the podcast but never been on this side so it's going to be interesting to see how we get along so jack you and me we've kind of gone over a few things here uh over the course of the week looking at a, a number of different uh topics of how to get into this subject of resilience um yeah and as you put it, uh, how, how is it that you put it that, that resilience, it covers more than just one particular aspect? So I think when um, when people mention the word resilience instantly, especially with um, the campaigns at the minute regarding mental health, but resilience to me is so much more than that. Um, yes, you need mental resilience, but especially in our industry, um, other types of resilience come in, into play. And uh, even if you know, you're, you're, um, you're, you're a sole trader and you, you don't have employees. You've got the resilience of actually having to get out of bed, getting that winter weather, the resilience of, um, trying to figure out solutions in order to keep the cash flow coming. So it's not all just about mental resilience in, in my point of view. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking the, the same, it's, it's definitely something where when it comes to business resilience, uh, and how you can uh, adjust to the challenges that arise, not just in in terms of, like you say, the mental resilience, but having the a good understanding of the different aspects of running a business and how that all gels together to make up the the whole picture. Um, you know what goes on at home, what goes on inside our minds, how we're dealing with the customers, our business strategies, all of that really does tie up to to a good kind of perspective of how 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 are we building a good resilience in being a business owner um so with that there what would you say are some of the challenges that you have faced as a business owner that um that you've kind of had to face where where this aspect of resilience has come directly into play um whichever whichever area is is the most of uh of notable memory that comes to your mind wow. That that's a um a really broad question for me because I I've gone from the journey of kind of leaving um the military to reform into civilian life which came with its own battles but then so I, I started off my journey as a sole trader on my own for for kind of two two to three years so I've gone through the journey of um being a one man band to then um forming a limited company and uh moving from residential to commercial work so I, I it sounds really cliche to say that i've been through it all because obviously you can never go through it all and it's not until you get a new um a new sorry it's not until you get a new hurdle that you have to jump over uh that you have to figure out how to get over it but with the experiences i have had i've definitely learned a lot um I, I, it's really hard to pinpoint the hardest point in which I've had to be resilient. 
I think for me, it's um, especially within our with our within our industry, it's probably starting out having that resilience to you know, especially if you were employed before, um, to try and get that savings put up and then have the resilience to just make that jump. That was probably the hardest for me, and then obviously the first six months trying to um, build build your business and create a name for yourself and and get good reviews but that was probably the hardest point i'd say for me i definitely would agree um i think that most of us whenever we start our own businesses it's definitely a case of where uh, despite whatever is going on or what the reasons are that we we decide to start a business we're convinced we convince ourselves number one so Regardless of who might say, oh, would would you not be better getting a job doing this? Or would you not be better doing something more safer or more secure? And we kind of overcome those uh, obstacles and we convince ourselves that we we have what it takes to, to go out and start a business. We have what it takes to, we have enough confidence and courage. And this is a very particularly interesting aspect of that process, I find is that you can have the confidence, but until you have the courage to go and do it, the confidence can can diminish. So we have the courage first in the first place to go, right, okay, that's it. I'm Or the confidence in the first place to say, yeah, I think I could do that. And then the courage is going out and, and, and the doing. Um, and one thing that I find very interesting with that aspect of uh, the resilience in the beginning is that somewhere along the line for probably most of us at, at some point, the resilience actually starts to subside a little bit. We either lose the confidence or we lose the courage to take new action to to progress the business into the next level of where we want. W- would that be something that you found in your experience as well, or or is that just me being a, a random no. odd person with that? No, so I'm um, I procrastinate a lot. So I I for example. If there's a point where I believe, especially when I move from residential to commercial maintenance, um, I, I drew it out a, a long way. I was starting to get more commercial clients. Um, I took the plunge for my first uh, ride on mower, but I was dragging my heels because of the unknown. Um, and again, as you mentioned, I was probably holding myself back with that courage. Um, and I was questioning uh, in, you know, because I've never dealt with the commercial sector, private sector or public sector. Um, I'd, I'd never even dealt with another company coming straight from the military. I didn't know how things worked in this world. So it was all a lear- learning curve. And you, you do get that seed of self-doubt. But once you've done your first deal or you've uh, provided your first month's contract, um, your first month's maintenance for that client you you start to just build back up on that but the first couple of weeks where you're deciding about it or the months or however long it may be you definitely get that seed of doubt and you're questioning even though how how however good it looks on paper um and whatever's in the pipeline you still judge whether it's the right decision and i don't think you'll ever get over that ever no um I, and i think that you know, we're we're going to talk a, a little bit um, about perspectives, and I think part of that um, is going to be a little bit about strategies. And when it comes to resilience, I find that in order to be able to maintain our resilience as business owners, it it requires some kind of strategy uh, to be able to keep ourselves uh, on on the up, on the positive foot, on the proactive. Um, aspect of of building a business personally myself what I found uh, there was a number of times where um, I just wanted this confidence uh, to be able to to do something but I had a hesitation and it wasn't until I realized that the confidence sometimes can come um, off the back of the courage so when we take the action and we start to see that the ball is rolling or there's a bit of momentum and we start to see the results come from those small little steps, then our confidence can build a little bit more. Um, And I find that that was a a perspective that I had in terms of trying to develop a strategy of, ah, right, okay, instead of always coming up against a challenge and then trying to figure out how do I adapt my mentality to be able to face it? There are some core elements of resilience that are are based around our 
um, mental makeup, if you want, of how we look at what we're doing in order to be prepared for those challenges. And I think there's kind of like a, uh, an example or, or, or an illustration, if you want, of a fireman. Uh, we're not firemen in our business. We don't want to be rushing out the door to deal with the fire. We want to be prepared and minimize uh, any risks that cause that uh, to happen. So we're not kind of responding to an emergency, but we're, you know, if we do need to deal with something that it's not as serious as as something like that. Um, would that be something that you found with strategies for yourself as well? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm, um, it's going to sound extremely egotistical, but I, I think about things totally different to other people. Um, if I'm going to do a project, if it's a large scale project, I'll write free plans for that project. If right. it's a, if it's a maintenance contract, I'll make sure I have a backup plan. Uh, for, for example, for that, if um, it requires a ride on mower, I'll ensure that I've created those relationships either with a hire center where I know that I could turn up there on the morning and grab a mower off them because I have that relationship. Yeah. Or I've invested in buying a second piece of kit for backup. Um, I, I don't know whether that stems from um, from the military, always having a backup plan for a backup plan. But I think for me, it's the anxiety of letting people down to me is worse than the job actually going wrong. Yeah. So I would much rather... Uh, throw a little bit more time, effort and money at a situation to ensure that the end product goes smoothly. And if it doesn't go smoothly, that's fine because I have those backups. But definitely sitting down and just um, literally writing writing down what could go wrong uh, yeah. and how would you fix that. before, As you said, before you enter that fire, the firemen know how, the, how they're going to tackle that fire. So yeah. the emergency happened, the job is done. Um, but they know how to resolve it. And I think that will get you in a long way. And you can use that any part of life, regardless of uh, what trade you're, you're in. I, I came across a number of times over the years, whenever I've asked the question of people, you know, what are their one, three, five, 10 year plans with their business? And it seems to be a common, uh, a common theme within the industry where some people are just trying to get through this season um, they're trying to to see out through this month, you know, if it's really, really challenging. Um, and I'm, I'm where I'm kind of going with this thought is that I remember seeing the other day that you were talking with, I think it was uh, Scott Elwood on Lone Care Legends. And you mentioned about how um, a lot of people don't see the element. <clears throat> I think it was in relation to one of your your recent videos uh, where a lot of people don't see the amount of dedication it takes to get up uh, really early in the morning, you're working long, long days. Uh, and this kind of ties in with when we're facing the challenges of the business. And if people are feeling like, well, if I could get through this season, um, they're almost responding to the changes that are happening in that season of itself. Whereas with, although you, you were saying, um, you know, that you kind of have the pr approach of doing three plans to a project. It also shows that it does require if you want to see longevity with a business, if you want to see uh, growth within the business, if you want to uh, try and uh, achieve new new goals, um, it does take a, a certain amount of persistence. It takes a certain amount of investment of time and strategic thinking on our part. Um, so that that would be kind of my my observation. Just with you saying that that it's not, I think it actually needs to be more commonplace to have that kind of uh, hardcore uh, look at our businesses if we want it to be something more than just a wage at the end of the month. If we want to, uh, we, we had a conversation recently um, and uh, Sam will even uh, be able to relate to this because I had a very similar conversation with him as well, uh, that we talked about uh, trying to break the generational patterns of what uh, our families have gone through in the past. And I think that in order to set such a <clears throat> in order to set such a high bar for ourselves, that it is going to take and require a different approach of thinking than one we have maybe been used to uh, our entire lives or or those that we have grown up around. Uh, so if that's the case, uh, what 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 did you do to be able to kind of 
adjust your thinking to break that generational pattern of thought? I used absolutely selfish tactics. Um, so, yeah, sometimes I look back and I'm not proud of um, what I've created or how I um, how I went around certain things. However, I know in my head that um, well, I don't, I didn't know in my head that that's probably the main issue. But um, if we use the example of, uh, so I get the question all the time, Jack, how do you know when's the right time to go out and buy a mower? I can't answer that question. Mm -hmm. I cannot answer that question. When you first start off uh, in this industry, nine times out of 10, and I'd love to know other people's journeys, but nine times out of 10, you've already got a petrol or mower that you cut your own grass with. Mm -hmm. you, you get, uh, you might get cheap equipment off of uh, Facebook Marketplace, and you know the the running cost, the startup costs for this industry um, are, are really, really small. If you just want to go out and do small scale um, things compared to maybe maybe other trades, um, that, that that I'm not saying that that's the uh, the startup costs are uh, small. Um, if you're trying to do it correctly, but you can get those one-man bands that you know will just go out and get a cheaper mower and they it can happen yeah but that is tied in with part of the issue of the industry but i'm sure we'll talk about that later <laughs> um yeah but for me i'm waffling a bit but for me i always saw something in the horizon so it might have been a contract or something like that and before i'd approach that customer i'd make sure that i'd i'd look professional so i'd sit there and go i know that i could get get that contract so i 100 percent know once i'm in front of them i could i've got the the, the knowledge and i can uh, get them to sign that deal and that is very arrogant and um you know, nothing is certain in life. But I, what I would then do is say, right, what what kit do I need? And I'd go out uh, and I'd budget either uh, purchase the the equipment or um, should it be a large piece, lease it or finance it. Um, and in some some cases, I didn't tell my family I'd done that uh, yeah. because I did not want them to worry. Uh, yeah. We'd already yeah. been through the worry of moving from um employed to self-employed we'd already done all of that and it was just another burden for them another thing they had to worry about so i, I would hold that on my shoulders and say this is going to work i know it's going to work and if it doesn't work i got a really good deal on that mower so i know i can sell it for more money than i bought it for yeah. and i always approach it like that and that's totally uh the the wrong way to go about it but i'd always see a vision and just luckily for me the the ducks of falling into line and that and it's funny because now in all of my videos i, I preach the complete opposite of that <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, always, I always preach hire the equipment first do it do six months get your clientele up uh, and do it that way because looking back that would have been a lot safer and i probably would have earned more money uh, but yeah and yeah. and did would you have found then uh because this is equally just as uh uh, interesting for me to to get your thoughts on it as well um when it came to the point looking back on that thinking that maybe perhaps you should have hired the equipment first what would you say was part of your your thinking process at the time that prevented you from thinking about hiring uh in, in the first instance um th if that makes sense um for, for me so where I'm located, there's not many hire stations for ground uh, care equipment. And um, that's something I'm going to explore in the future. Um, however, for me, uh, I was having these conversations and it was the conversations that I had with these hire centers. And, uh, you know, they'd have one piece of kit and it was yeah. it looked a, it looked a little bit ropey and it had thousands and thousands of hours on there. And I was sat there thinking, right, this is my one chance to impress this this uh, client i turn up i don't know who's used the machine before it could break i've never used that machine not only that but uh, the higher center near me was very uh very very relaxed so you'd literally take a piece of equipment you wouldn't tell them when you're bringing it back so you'd go in there and say look when can i have this zero turn 
mower and they'd say we don't know when it's coming back so yeah. i couldn't plan anything yeah. um and i i wanted to be in control of the quality um what I, the service i was providing in terms of what, telling the customer when i'm going to be there and actually being there and, and things like that there was so many the, the detriment for me if i had a, an amazing hire center near me that had 10 mowers or or loads of and loads of equipment um then i definitely would have made that decision but and it's funny because since then i found someone that does hire equipment and does have good stock but i hadn't built that relationship yet so um so yeah for me it was just being able to be self-efficient and provide what i know i can um so yeah i i, I dived in I would say that probably a lot of people overthink then, you know, it's definitely something that I would have done as well back in the, you know, in the beginning, you overthink things. And because you don't have the experience at that point of, of starting out with the business, um, you, you don't have the confidence to know that you're absolutely right in that perspective. And of course, now you're able to give better advice in your videos and saying that mm. perhaps maybe you should have considered uh, hiring. Um, I actually worked in the, in the hire industry for a, a couple of years and uh, yeah, there's near me, there's about three or four hire centers. Um, and one of them is as ropey as get out, uh, you know, just the, the type of, the, the machines are pretty much maybe given a bit of a wash when they come back and then they're just thrown straight back out. Um, and then other places uh, would would have a bit more care and professionalism with them. But but the problem between the three or four centers is that they have very limited amount of kit that they invest in that would be particularly uh, useful for our line of work. They maybe have one or two uh, larger mowers or flails or, you know, uh, there was one particular company had a flail. Um, I think they were the only ones that had one uh, during the, the season this year. And it was out of action for about maybe two months because they were waiting on parts coming in. Um, but but that overthinking when it comes to it in the beginning would would remind me of something that I learned the back ways as well um, that I used to try and make do with the equipment that I had to take on some of the bigger jobs. Um, and so I kind of came from the push more to the ride on more, uh, which would have been just like maybe the, the maybe the high, higher end of a domestic ride on lawnmower. And then eventually went into commercial zero turn and, and larger machinery. And at the time I remember taking on jobs with the, the, uh, the ride on lawnmower taking the box off the back and just rooster tailing the grass out of the back of the lawnmower trying to do larger areas or longer grass than this machine was ever designed for and the amount of times where i'd be on on a job and i would have a stick i used to have a wolf garden short handle stick on the side of the the ride on and every now and then i have to stop get out and then unclog the <laughs> the chute of of the mower and it wasn't until uh, later on, then whenever I progressed into with the business and set those goals, that on reflection, what I realized uh, was probably a better strategy was that um, sometimes we overthink, well, I need this machine in order to to do the work. Um, and sometimes we think about carrying on, get, you know, which should we do first? Should we take the time to invest in the machine and then go for the work? But a lot of people are in a place where they overthink and then they end up thinking to themselves, uh, I don't have the money to invest in that because I don't have the work. And unfortunately, you can't get the right kind of work for those machines until you have those machines. Uh, so I what, what I found was, say, for instance, there would have been a, a time where with the, with the domestic ride-on doing the larger work, your downtime trying to unclog the chute means that you're longer on the job. The fact that the machine is not designed for that kind of work means that it's more labor intensive and demanding of the machine, which means you're putting more wear and chances of breakdown are much, much higher. So there's a whole bunch of factors that are working against you to make that job profitable in the first yeah. instance. So the, 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 the right aspect or the right perspective should be uh, or I found was that it would actually be that I need the machine first 
and then I can go and tackle those jobs. And from day one of taking on those jobs, uh, I'm in a profitable position to to make the money back. Um, You're bringing be... back amazing memories for me. <laughs> amazing memories. It's just um, so I totally agree with what what you what you uh, what you just said. And it's always better to have the correct kit in order to jump straight onto a job, provide a better quality and be more profitable. However, I don't want that to steer people that are um, in that position right now. And I'm going to tell a little story about the first set of football pitches that I got. Um, and it was a big deal for me. I, I was still a one-man band at the time. It was before I went limited. I had uh, this 52-inch uh, right stander. Uh, it was my first commercial um, ride-on, zero turn. Um, and... I got approached by this football club. They approached me. It wasn't anything from marketing or anything. Like that. And I remember going to that quote, extremely excited. I'd been on Google maps. I knew who they were and there was 11 football pitches there. Um, you know, I had a, a little pedestrian uh, line marker and I knew that I could do it with the kit I had. Um, and again, I'd already made, jumps where i'd bought kit before i had the job so i decided with this job i wasn't going to do that i was going to stand by the kit i had um and conduct the quote based on what i had anyway so i've turned up to this quote and they've asked me what machines i'm using because it was currently the council that were doing it but they wanted a higher quality and i said look i've, I've just got this little 52 inch zero turn oh that's fine that's absolutely fine they were clueless what the machine was let's be honest um, Anyway, I, I I got the quotation in. Um, it was really, really profitable. I was mega excited. I won the job. We started conducting it. I, and uh, th this job used to take me all day on that right. Um, it would literally take me about six hours to cut the pitches and the outfield and then probably three hours of line marking. And I remember this one day, the chairman of the club came walking out the offices uh, I'd never met him before because I'd just been dealing with some of the other uh, committee members. Um, and he came out and he introduced himself and he said, this is a little nifty machine, isn't it? Because he'd <laughs> never seen a, a, a stander. Um, he'd never seen a stander before. A little 52-inch machine <laughs> that used to take maybe, you know, 25, 30 minutes to do one pitch. Um, and he goes, God, does that not take you a long time? I said, yes, it does. Um, it <laughs> Yeah, yes, it does. And he said, I'll tell you what, we're really happy with the pitches. Um, the quality is a lot better than what we were getting. I just wanted to come out and thank you. And it was at that point that I sat down and I thought, I've got away with this. <laughs> I've, I've got away with this. So, um, and it, was, it wasn't much longer after that that we, we bought our first kind of wide area mower because I was starting to get um referrals actually from them uh, they were f referring me to other football clubs so one thing i want other people to take away is um if it isn't the right time and you can just make do make it happen because uh you never know where it will lead to um i i was very lucky that i i priced it up knowing how long it would take me yes um and i was pricing for a day rate to do yep. it so yep. I, I was making profit on that right, which meant that when I did get that larger machine, double bubble, baby, it was <laughs> it, excellent. It, it was amazing. But yeah, um, no, I totally agree. Sometimes um, I think going back to the higher center um, thing, I, another reason why I, I just went out and purchased kit all the time, um, I had this one job that I hired a turf cutter for and it was a it was for a, a housing association we had a lot of turf to do um and i remember turning up and the turf cutter was just not working um and it meant that we had to do it manually and i just remember the customer stood there and i was just thinking oh my god and i just never wanted that that feeling ever again so yeah it's definitely definitely uh lessons learned the hard way sometimes and then thankfully you had a, a good perspective on that uh, we're just going to take a quick break here for Sam um, and we'll be back right after these messages. This episode is brought to you by Total Loan. Total Loan provides scientifically engineered loan care products to homeowners, hobbyists and loan care professionals. 
The range of fertilizers and biostimulants will keep your lawn looking lush, green and moss free all year round. I use Total Lawn products for my customers and on my own lawn and I think you should too. The team at Total Lawn put quality above anything else when they're producing their lawn feeds. They use ingredients that are rarely if ever used by their competitors to give you the best lawn possible. Try Total Lawn today at totallawn.co.uk and use code JROCKLAWNCARE at the checkout to receive 10% off your whole order. Total Lawn are so confident in their products that you can use them on your lawn and if you're not happy with the results you can get in touch with them up to 90 days later for a full refund. Go to totallawn.co.uk and transform your lawn. So welcome back after those messages. Uh, we're carrying on here this morning talking about resilience and Jack and myself were were talking about strategies earlier on. We mentioned about strategies and we have this uh, kind of thought process of who could you turn to if you were looking to formulate those strategies for your business? Uh, as self-employed business owners, a lot of the time we carry that burden or responsibility entirely on our own shoulders. And every now and then um, we find that when we have been around other people, that, that it can be a real good uplift of encouragement and and driving force for our business. Now, Jack, both of us, we've had uh, mentors and coaches in our businesses. What What's your thoughts on, on formulating that kind of a strategy of somebody to turn to? Um, well, it's, so I was always very, very skeptical about uh, introducing a business coach or a mentor because um, although my uh, father is a is a coach uh, within the car industry, um, so I never uh, never thought about it too seriously. But one thing I would say is, once I'd done it, I wouldn't. Um, sorry, one thing I would say is, now that I've tried it, uh, I don't know how I succeeded prior to not having a coach. And I think. Um, so obviously different coaches cost a certain amount of money, but if you take something like Wimbledon, for example, the top tennis players in the world, they've all got a coach sat there. And you have to ask your, your question why. Um, and I, I did ask that question why before I before I uh, enrolled with a business coach slash mentor. And what I'd found is once I'd had my first session, so the first session, I, I don't know how your first session's ran but my first session was right where are you what have you been up to let me see your books what's your gross profit what's your turnover crunching the numbers massively but then at the end uh we wrote down kind of some uh good things that had happened and some bad things that had happened uh within the last i think it was like fortnight so real close proximity uh she wasn't interested in the stuff that um i'd done prior to that it was just the here and now yeah and uh what i found is she'd ask these questions and say right so how did you get out of that or how could you have done it better and and things like that and once i'd put my two pence in again it comes from that um thinking of that they just think with a completely different angle and there's an outside point of view <clears throat> no, no bs kind of approach and uh just the hard truths yeah. and absolutely changed my mindset and helped us excel in the areas that i either didn't like doing or uh wasn't thinking about or interested in yeah i am um, i i found <laughs> my first sessions were all the most vulnerable questions you would not want to share with anybody <laughs> for fear that they would judge you that uh you're not making enough or that you're not being uh, you know we have this confident confidence in running a business because we're obviously capable at doing that. Now, doing it efficiently, doing it to the maximum profitability uh, can be a different thing. So when we expose ourselves or put ourselves out there in a vulnerable position for somebody else to judge, that takes, again, we're going to come back to this word resilience. It's going to take resilience of the mind to be willing to take the constructive criticism so we can adjust that to learn how to move forward. And what's interesting as well with what you just said, um, and it's making me think about the same thing here. A lot of the times, the questions that are asked, we already know the answer. And um, we have that information in, in our minds, but it's just the, the format and how we construct 
that uh, that question. Like you said, um, it, they ask you, well, how could you do that differently? And they're not providing you with the answer of how to do that differently. They're just getting you to grease the wheels and get the 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 strategic or the critical thinking processes going uh, in your own mind. Um, interesting question. My my mentor coach, uh, his, na his name is Hugh, and Hugh comes from um, the hospitality industry. And he runs uh, multiple businesses, particularly when it comes to uh, the supply of coffee and coffee uh, distribution and machinery and consultancy. I think he has about maybe seven or eight different businesses. Um, and the, the the experience that he has had with his uh, businesses over the years is a different approach to what somebody like me building up a small solo service-based uh, operation. Um, with your mentor coach, what kind of uh, dynamic did they bring from a different industry or their experience? Yeah, so um, so my my uh, business coach is called uh, a lady called Jackie Elmore, and um, she's absolutely militant, and she will not mind me saying that she's very uh, soft on the inside, but hard on the outside, <laughs> uh, and it's exactly what I needed. It was kind of that old RSM. Um, kind of feel from from the military and it's the the hard truths but um so so jackie comes from um she's got a, a fairly vast background but i don't know if uh you've heard of like rs components yes so yep. the massive um electrical uh worldwide electrical component store and she was um sorry manufacturer and she was a uh, very very um high up in that so um, I think she was in, in charge of uh, facilities management and also the production of components. So very, very corporate world, very, this is the price, take it or leave it. Very, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so from a very different, again, like you, from a very different perspective. But uh, she's also got great uh, plethora of uh, experience with uh, like tradesmen and yeah. people from all uh, all industries so um i actually started using her because um one of my friends runs a uh, courier business and uh, he was really struggling when covid hit he uh, he was a, a so it wasn't a haulage business it was just like a a, a van courier service that uh, that he only dealt with commercial clients and covid hit him hard and I just saw his business uh, go from nearly rock bottom to to nearly the highest of highs. Well, it is the highest of highs now. And I, I just said to him, mate, how have you done this? Because I know you've not got that. <laughs> I've known, I know you uh, You wouldn't have done that on your own. Um, and yeah, he, he, he gave me Jackie's number. And yeah, the first session was, um, I felt my brain, I just walked out absolutely hard. Uh, destroyed but one thing i would say if anyone hasn't got a business coach um it's not just the business processes that you gain so much from they your business coach or your mentor actually cares about you and yeah. what i mean by that is so they're looking at you so you sit down and they say right so how have you done this and you say well i've had a 66 hour week john and um, <laughs> this has happened and that's happened and this happened okay so what time out have you had yeah like how have you decompressed that? Well, actually, no, I've not even seen my son this week. He's two years old. I've not even spent an hour with him. Right. So how, what processes are we going to put in place in order for you to yeah. live? Because you've got to look after yourself in order for this business to grow. Because if you can't replenish your energy, if you can't um, live a happy lifestyle, if you're going into work burnt out, then you're not giving your best self for your business, for your business to give the best it can for its clients or to grow so that's one of the main things i've got out of uh, business coaching is um i remember i used to run around i, I used to wear a uh, smartwatch and um i kid you not i'd be happy to share screenshots to uh, anyone i'll probably get in excess of around five to six hundred emails a day and i would just be sat at a, a business meeting and i'd be looking at my watch and um She'd be like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, it's a customer. It's a customer. It's a customer. She's like, get yeah. rid of that watch. Yeah. Get rid of that watch. When you go home, you turn your phone off. Yeah. And uh, 
I was so scared. That was my first little process that I changed in my life. Um, cause it's not a business process. It was a habit that I had yep. and I would come in and, um, even my wife used to be upset about how much I was on my phone. And when I was at home, I wasn't spending time with my family. Although I was there, I wasn't there. Um, so yeah, just those little things, right. Turn that off, leave the phone in the van, do this, do that. And those little things have absolutely changed my life. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's going back to, back to resilience. It's those little changes, um, to, to your life, to your business processes that give you the energy to get through the hardship. If, yeah. if you try and if I asked someone to run a marathon with, uh, no training, no food, uh, no energy backup. It's going to be a bad day. It's going to be a really bad day. Yes, you'll probably do it if you can turn that switch in your mind, um, but it's going to suck. However, um, if we if we gave you the, the food, you know, we gave you a, a diet plan, we gave you a, a fitness regime to do before you conducted that marathon, it's going to be a whole lot easier. And it's the same journey, yeah. but the outcome and the journey um, is 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 different. And it's probably one of those things where you found the same as me is that sometimes you can go into these meetings <clears throat> and it's not until you're coming out that you realize that your shoulders are relaxed. And yeah. I think that's something that a lot of people might misconstrue uh, when they start thinking about a, a coach or a mentor um, is the fact that one, it's like, well, there's a cost and two, you're having these awkward conversations. But actually what we're aiming for is for a new approach or a fresh input to our thinking. And we're also trying to create the the sense of that was good action. That was good. Uh, that was a productive meeting that we feel like we're taking a step in the right direction. And sometimes it takes that voice of experience in order to put their hand on our shoulder effectively and just point us in the right direction. Um which kind of makes me think about some of uh, when we were talking about perspectives of uh, going in with equipment and and how people kind of see that from the beginning to to mention that there was costs involved um i remember it took me about 2 years to find uh, a mentor that i felt was um ideally suited that i felt comfortable with um and the first uh, first number of people i was meeting with they were talking about maybe 1200 pound a month you know, for, for the likes of their services. Uh, and during that time, because I couldn't find anybody particularly to, to team up with, uh, I ended up doing a four week course with, um, with one guy and it cost me about a thousand pounds, um, to do it. And it was the first time I ever spent a thousand pounds investing in myself. Now for what I got, you know, I if if I had very limited thinking, looking at it in the beginning, I got four emails on each of those weeks. So it was in total, it was four total. And in that email was a breakdown with a worksheet and a video, which, which was about nine or 10 minutes. And initially I was kind of thinking to myself, is this what I got for a thousand pounds of, of investing in this, in this particular course? And then I kind of stopped and went, no, no, let's see how, what the result is. What's the aim? Why am I looking for the coach or mentors? Cause I'm looking for better results. So take what I've invested the money on and see how that adapts my thinking afterwards. And then to get into, you know, into the next realm of, uh, of mentor, uh, mentor stuff, uh, coach coaching sessions, it can be anywhere, you know, with some people, 10,000 pounds for six months. And that sounds like a huge cost for probably the average guy who's in the industry. But where I'm kind of going with this is that I also think that there are spaces where it's all about who you're around, who you're spending time with your conversations. Are they like minded? Are they going to encourage you to do better? And that can literally start at home completely for free of who you have in conversations with about your business. And if you don't have the right people at home or in the town, seek out those kind of people who are looking to do better. And then as you kind of find yourself a part of a community, then you're starting to get influence from other people who want to do well, who celebrate others who do well. And it can encourage you step by step from the bottom end of that scale until a point where you get comfortable with, yes, okay, do you know what? I want to invest money 
because it's not spending money with a coach or a mentor. That is a direct investment, not only in your business, but of ourselves as as a business owner. And with that investment, the result, the return of investment is part of that whole resilience of of having a having a business and being able to deal with the with the challenges. Would you have any thoughts on how you went from um you know the the kind of people that you were hanging around with or that were having conversations with to the point of getting to to having a coach or a mentor? Yeah, um yeah. This is a really difficult one for me because I when I oh, keep I keep dragging it up like an old record, but um, <laughs> when I left the military, me and my wife could could not afford to choose where we were going to relocate to. So um, we had a criteria that we had to be a certain amount of time away from uh, our family, i.e. her mum and dad and my mum and dad. Um, so w- we ended up moving to somewhere that I had absolutely no network at all. Um, so we moved there. I, I got a job uh, for a European a uh, company worked there for about a month jacked it in and and set up on my own so i had no one i started um my business with no network um i had my old military friends that you know were very very supportive i had my family that i, I could always message them and and talk about uh stuff that i've gone through and they'd give you a little pat on the back but they hadn't walked that road yeah so the first thing I did was um, attended uh, a business networking event um, in in Northampton, and that was uh, BNI uh, Lighthouse. Now, a lot of people have got stories about BNI, and everyone has got their own uh, version of it. Yeah. But for me, it wasn't about the business I was gaining from that room. Um, obviously, that was a massive help. But what it was about is seeing the same people that were going through the same. Um, journey that i was in different industries um so bni i don't know how much you know about it but it's a it's a a lockout room so i was the only grounds maintenance slash landscaper in that room no one else is uh in the industry is allowed to join my room so what you've what you're placed with is uh 52 members in 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 that chapter that are all in different industries that are all in different levels of um their experiences and their journey so there was people like me that were startups there were people that um you know had been well established for maybe five to ten years and there were also people at the other end of the spectrum that had owned multiple businesses told them for millions um set up a new one and join bni again so i um it, it took me a couple of weeks after i started going but i started um like asking people how their week was and this, that, and the other. And I, I just noticed that no matter what part of your journey you're on, we all go through the same processes and the same hardships. Um, so when COVID came, it was for some people getting supplies was an absolute disaster. And they've been in business like 15 years and you're just seeing these people melt because um, they don't know how to get around the subjects. And then you've got Jack, the gardener, coming in and having a a one-to-one having a sit down and a coffee with them and go have you thought about this and they just look at you and they think oh my god (laughs) so what i'm trying to get out of this absolute waffle is um the more people you speak to regardless of the industry that they're in they'll they'll have a different approach to things um and just having it comes down to resilience again and that vulnerability but that that um that question asking can is absolutely invaluable because you don't know whoever you ask that question to um, may came come up with that golden solution for your business or uh, a, a golden referral for you or say oh do you know what I didn't know you did that so yeah. have this um, but yeah anyway so that that's one of the things I did and uh, another one of the things I did which I found really really strange. Um, because obviously there's a massive uh, ethos in in the military with team building and cohesion and it yes we've got the banter but it doesn't matter uh, what regiment you're from or what services you serve for there there will be banter and we will give you stick about you know what regiment you're in or whatever like all of that stuff but we're all in it together so if someone needs a hand we'll be there and i remember um my first trip to 
the oh god i wish i'd filmed it because it's embarrassing it's a little bit embarrassing but i'm so glad i did it i remember my first trip to the commercial compost facility i was literally walking around shaking people's hands saying hi mate i'm jack i'm i'm um i'm i was jpc garden services from before so um hi my name's jack from jpc garden services we do this we do this if you ever need a hand mate give me a call and they're looking at me like who is this guy um <laughs> Brilliant. But I, I wanted to build a network and I'm really yeah. lucky that in my area now I have. And I think I've mentioned to you before, I've got a WhatsApp group with the local contractors and it ranges from anywhere from we've got a couple of um, national sales managers. So they're national contracting companies um, all the way from that, all the way down to the sole trader. And I've actually helped people in the community um, set up on their own. And a big shout out to Joe from Love Your Lawn. Um, and I've took my time to sit down with them because I know how important it is um, just to share, share that stuff. And going back to that, um, who can you talk to? Absolutely anyone in, yeah. in my belief, because even if it's a stranger on the street, you could just say, you know, how would you approach this? Just out of interest, every nugget of information is going to help you make a, a decision. Yeah. I, I had a, it would be the same for myself. Um, I found myself on my own uh, with no one to turn to in, in the early days. And, you know, that's where all those hard learned lessons of experience, you know, when people kind of ask the question of, well, how do I price a job? Um, and most people who are experienced will price per job rather than price per hour. Um, and by the time, and and it's a, it's a weird one because it's from the experience of, of all the ups and downs that you know when you look at a job and give a price per job um, that you could work backwards and reverse engineer it and work out what the hourly rate is. Um, you know, but but it's only from experience that we get to those levels. Um, one of the things that I found uh, interesting was that throughout the, the process of my own journey, um, working on your own, uh, we've got ample amount of time to be able to listen to books or podcasts. And people might not realize it, that yes, there is the option if you really want to excel in your goals, in, in the quality of life, in the, the, the mental health and resilience that you, you develop as a business owner um, by going to coaches and mentors. But somebody who's listening to the likes of Sam's podcast here is directly networking with people who are in the industry, sharing their views and experience and being able to take out, even if it was only just one small, tiny little golden nugget uh, and being able to apply it to their business. And what I find very interesting about the this modern day and age of digital media is that we do have the opportunity to try and uh, have more of a community involvement. One of the things that one of the motivating factors that led to the creation of Long Care Legends was in order to try and build that community of people who were willing um, and wanting to have an inter interchange of conversation while they're on social media naturally anyway. Um, and despite the negativities of society, the news, the media, and things like that, that within the confines of that community, that they could get exposure to maybe better thinking, maybe better answers. Or there's a lot of people who tend to be in the shadows and they don't directly mm. get involved in the conversation. But you'd be amazed at how many you would have a conversation with in real life and go, I saw that or I saw that post, I saw that comment. Um, and they read that and they take so much away for their businesses. And so it, there are different kind of stages that you can go through in terms of building that uh, who to turn to. And in the first instance, if you don't have somebody physically in your circle now today that you could go and have a cup of coffee with, there is digit. there are digital platforms that allow you to get within a circle of people who are willing to share their experiences. So not always is it straightforward that oh well you know these guys are talking about mentors that cost thousands of pounds a year uh, it doesn't have to be that case if that's not right fit for each individual um but that's one of the things that i love about the industry as more time goes by is that there are the likes of these experiences shared online and people can can benefit from that of course you can take that then to the next level 
if that's some something that somebody chooses to do um, themselves. Which kind of leads me to the next, uh, to our last kind of uh, point. We, we've mentioned the word perspective a number of times throughout this podcast. Um, and we, you sent through a suggestion on this topic of industry perspective of what we actually provide versus what the client thinks that we do. Um, yes. What What are your thoughts on on um, how the perspectives in the industry uh, maybe need sometimes encouraged to have a, a more wider view of what the big picture is? I've this is one of the things that really 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 frustrates me um and uh, i'm i'm probably going to go down a, a, a rabbit run now but, um, they're, they're fairly hard truths so if we start from the beginning so the the as i mentioned earlier the 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 person that wants to go out on their own um they get the cheapest kit that they can in order to start and that's absolutely fine but what they then do is they start um, advertising on Facebook. They start going on lead generation websites and they find uh, the clients and they're in front of the clients and they stand there and they say, I can do that for 15 pounds an hour. Okay. So yes, they've won the work. Yes. They've got their 15 pounds an hour, but what you're doing is um, you're narrowing the horizons for your future and the people in the industry's future. So there's, in my eye, the reason why I speak about this is there's two perspectives. There's the perspective of what we do in the industry, and I can quite happily stand here and I know the services uh, that I provide and the value that I add to my clients. However, from a client's point of view, we will always just be a gardener yep. unless we change that perspective. So... A client, whether it's residential or commercial, it's a lot easier for commercial because they, they, I, I personally believe that they see you as a necessity because you're keeping their ground safe and they need to tick those boxes. Yeah. So if we talk about the residential um, ground on this, so let, let's talk about a lady that just wants her grass cut or the, or the gentleman that just wants his grass cut. He wants his garden looking nice. You know, he wants the best lawn on the street. Um and he, he's going to go onto the internet and he's going to find um, find a garden. And we, me and you have spoke about this on on a phone call before. But nine times out of ten, that client will go for the cheapest option. Yeah. Not necessarily the best quality. Not necessarily the best service. They'll go for the cheapest option. So what that what that client will do is they'll go on the internet and maybe they'll use a lead generation site uh, where all the prices. <laughs> They've not even met the person, but people are submitting their prices and he's seeing this £10, £15, £17.50. And, you know, everyone's on there and they're all bidding, all these one-man bands. They want to build their portfolio. Or it might be a side hustle for some people. You just don't know. But now what has happened is that client believes that that, uh, that, that grounds maintenance technician or that gardener is only worth £15 an hour. Mm -hmm. And that's a massive, massive issue because... The people that are longer in their journey that are providing um, a better service due to the experience they've got, you know, they've got their insurances, they've got high quality equipment, um, they're paying for training, they're paying for business coaches in order to provide the best quality. They're using the best products out there that they can to provide that service. So that costs more money. They're using the best paint to put on the ground for football clubs. They're going to have a higher price. So. Yep. But one day that that startup um, business, whoever, whoever may be that person that's just gone out there and they've gone on that lead generation website, they're borrowing kit off of family. They've got low overheads. One day they will be in the opposite side of the scale and they will find it really hard to break through that middle ground of uh, I see, see it all the time on all care legends is I don't know whether to put my prices up. I'm scared to lose the clients. Yep. If we can change the perspective of uh, the services that we provide, we won't have that battle. Um, and that's the issue is we, we provide a, a fantastic service um, to our clients. And I truly believe that this, this industry 
um, does so much uh, for the world. And yep. it's not just the residential gardens. We're, we're keeping workplaces safe. You know, we're keeping mental. Well, if we go back to the resilience, we're 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 creating spaces in which children can. Yep lower crime rates and what i mean by that is we're providing grass cutting for local football clubs rugby clubs golf courses we are providing a lot for the world yeah so what so why would you belittle yourself and undervalue yourself for just 10 to 15 pounds an hour knowing that you're probably only just covering your costs um so i believe from a client's point of view at at the moment and i'm slowly starting to see a change uh the perspective is, is with with just gardeners yeah. but if you look at the deep root of what we do um i'm very very passionate about this so please interrupt if i'm waffling <laughs> if, you, if you actually look at the things we do you could take it as so i'm literally sat here right now looking out at a football club that's getting ready to play another team and i can see all the mums and dads behind the, the the respects barriers looking at their children and we've done this we've yep. come here this then we've prepared the pitches we've lined we've marked the lines out the kids are playing on a really really high quality pitch um we're providing a space so they're not out there thieving and stealing yep. and pigeon and all of that stuff but we we add a lot of value to the world and um the the more that the industry can realize that the quicker the clients will realize that yeah i i think uh during the pandemic it really was highlighted um about the importance of outdoor spaces for mental health and well-being like whether it's physical exercises, whether it was being able to go out to those spaces, there's definitely a high element of what the what the end result is for the client, whether they're commercial or domestic. You know, people who are residential have their own private space that they spend their time at the weekends and during the season. During the commercial places, it's how a how how safe a professional or a commercial property is being maintained, and how that image uh, portrays across to their customers, or the playing fields and the the football clubs, or uh, where those communities come out in the droves by hundreds. And you know, you probably see over the course of this morning as well, is that you know those families that are there now will swap out for the next batch of families that come in the next couple of hours uh, on the Saturday. And what's interesting about that is when it comes to the service that we provide for our customers, um, I, I have this kind of uh, approach with, with customers that I take on now. Um, and it took a while to get here. Again, this kind of comes back to strategies and, and where you're going with your business. Um, starting off at the beginning, eventually getting up into different quality of customers, uh, commercial or residential, is dissolving the bottom as you build the top. And again, eventually those ones who are at the top will work their way down to the bottom of that category of your customer list. And when I go out and I price jobs now, now I'm at the point of uh, I'm explaining to the customer, well, I'm not here for you to interview me. I'm here to see whether I want to take you on as a client. And that's a huge mental, that was a huge mental shift for me uh, in that, in that perspective of the quality of, of the work uh, that, that, that I provide. But um, I think that's been a, a hugely advantageous uh, discussion that we've had here this morning, Jack. Uh, there's definitely a lot of things that hopefully we've been able to uh, contribute to uh, Sam's audience for them to be able to think about. Um, and talking about mental resilience, uh, I'm very appreciative of Sam and the content that he makes with his podcast. I'm very appreciative that you took the time to co-host this with me here this morning. Um, and hopefully we've made a, a bit of an impact for, for, the, for the listeners to be able to think about things in terms of resilience for them with their business and the approaches and strategies and things like that. So uh, do you have any final thoughts? I do. I'm just going to waffle for another two minutes. And um, going back to that, who can you talk to? If there is anyone uh, that is struggling with their resilience, 
um, I'm sure John won't mind me saying or Sam, reach out to any of us, uh, give us a message. If you don't feel comfortable with that, there's some fantastic charities out there. One that's tailored to our industry that really understands what we go for is Perennial, and they've got a 24-7 hour hotline, so please give them a call if you're struggling, uh, and also Mind UK. So, But again, my phone number is accessible, cutcrew.co.uk. Give me a call anytime if you need me. Um, but yeah, there are people you can talk to. Yeah, it's all about finding the community uh, within the industry that is willing to help each other out and wanting to celebrate and, and encourage. Because at the end of the day, we're actually colleagues in the industry. We're not just competition looking at each other passing by. Um, so there's a huge amount of benefit that can be can be taken from that. Well, that's great. Thank you very much, everybody, for taking the time to listen to uh, to Jack and myself talk this morning. We hope Sam is uh, healed well and ready to go again for next week. It's been our distinct pleasure and honour to be able to uh, help out in this way. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for, for listening. And we hope you guys have a fantastic week and you'll see Sam again next week.